This weekend, it became apparent that Rockstar had removed some content many have deemed transphobic from the PS5 and Xbox Series versions of Grand Theft Auto V. Is the developer growing up or just heading problems off at the pass? Good morning. Good Monday morning to you. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for April 18th, 2022. I hope that if you celebrate Easter, you had yourself a great holiday. If you'd prefer to consume the show the way it's intended, in a podcast feed, so you can listen on your phone as you get ready for work or your commute, head to patreon.com sifted and drop us a pledge. It's free on our YouTube channel for everyone else. You can find our flagship show, Game Face, by searching your favorite podcast service. Please give the show a review. If you can, it makes a huge difference for us. So Rockstar has seemingly removed several jokes from GTA 5's PS5 and Xbox Series X releases, that had previously been deemed transphobic by members of the community. The Captain Space Toy interstellar transgender figure that had previously hung in the office of an arcade has been replaced with another action figure, and the phrase interchangeable genitalia has been removed from the packaging. The next-gen versions remove the figure and moves the other figures around so that the removal is hard to spot. Rockstar has also eliminated several NPCs, such as the Drag Queen model, which would spawn outside of the in-game club called Cockatoos. The character model is still usable in director's mode, but all its in-game dialogue has been removed from the code. While Rockstar has yet to comment officially about the changes, other than an open letter to the studio from Outmaking Games asking it to make some changes, the company has had no outside pressure to edit the content of GTA V. There has been no public outcry, no class action lawsuits, or anything of the sort. The game is now nine years old, so you'd think that most people would just let this news go on by and write it off to an artist doing what it wants to do with its art. But that has definitely not been the case. There were a few people on the site who were quite angry about this. A couple people posted who have never posted a single thing the entire time they've been patrons or subscribers, saying they were angry that Rockstar is being, quote, censored even though Rockstar did this on its own without any outside influence. Another poster was angry that Rockstar bowed to some imaginary person, law, or organization, but what or who exactly did they bow to? No one and no thing. They did this on their own volition. There are no angry mobs, no petitions, no nothing. Perhaps they've just changed. And what they found funny almost a decade ago, they no longer find humor in anymore. To the people who are up in arms over this, have you ever thought about that? I bet you have. I bet you're angry because they've evolved. I bet you're angry because you're afraid that Rockstar is no longer like you. I think you're angry because you're afraid you've been left in the dust. Again. By someone or something you admire. Or at least... You used to. Not anymore, though. Oh my god, the whole world is changing, and here's me with my feet stuck in the mud, again, trying to drag everyone backwards. And I just can't stop it. It must be frustrating for you, but I hate to tell you, it's only going to get worse for you. 
Rockstar made this decision on its own, and you're pissed. You've created an imaginary boogeyman to direct your rage, but that person or thing doesn't really exist. Eventually, you're going to realize it, and you're going to get mad at Rockstar. And then, you've become the person trying to cancel something. You've become the person trying to tell an artist what to make. Hasn't that been your stance against censorship all along? You're becoming what you supposedly hate. Oh, the irony. The way I look at life is people can do whatever the hell they want until it hurts other people. Then all bets are off. If everyone looked at things this way, I wouldn't have just wasted five minutes of my life excoriating backwards-thinking dinosaurs. Because let's be clear about one thing. The people who are angry about this aren't taking a stand against censorship, for satire, or for artistic integrity. They have issues with trans people and are pissed that one of their favorite video game developers just shared that it no longer agrees. And now for a couple more stories from the top of your SIFs. Hideo Kojima has smashed rumors that his studio, Kojima Productions, was bought by Sony. It all began when Kojima tweeted a Sony Studios banner image that includes his studio. Fans took it to mean that a big announcement was coming, largely because it seems to make too much sense. His first game, Death Stranding, was published by Sony. It used a graphics engine from a Sony first-party studio, Guerrilla Games. But when you really start to think about it, it actually doesn't make sense. Kojima just came off a really bad breakup with Konami, and perhaps he's in no hurry to have overlords again. He tweeted, quote, I seem to have invited misinterpretation, but Koji Pro has been, and will continue to be, an independent production studio. End quote. Former Switch exclusive No More Heroes 3 is coming to PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC this fall. It appears the game had a year of exclusivity on Switch, and that time will be up towards the end of the year. The game did not sell especially well on Nintendo's platform, and it should at least run far better on these new machines, perhaps giving it a better chance at success. It also didn't help that much of Nintendo's user base skews quite young. According to Business Insider, Microsoft is looking into letting advertisers insert ads into free-to-play Xbox games. This program is reportedly going to launch by the third quarter of this year, but Microsoft isn't taking a cut and will let the developers keep the revenue. The ads could show up as rendered billboards in a racing game, but there's been no word on whether the ads will extend to avatar skins or video ads. Microsoft claims it has no immediate plans to give your data to advertisers, which is good, but it's a slippery slope for Xbox as EA placed in-game ads for UFC 4, but removed them after fan outcry. Now the difference there is that UFC 4 was a $60 game and the ads were inserted after reviews had been published. The new conglomerate, Warner Brothers Discovery, just cleared, and it's already looking to expand its development of DC-related products, and video games are a part of that business. The timing seems strange with long-running rumors of an impending sale of WB games, but maybe this is a hint that it may officially be off the market. Regardless, if you're a fan of DC or a fan of video games, this is great news. Square Enix Japan still believes that blockchain-driven games will be the future. The company's president, Yosuke Matsuda, 
wants games to be evolving products, and he believes incentivizing fans to do it with crypto and NFT is the smart path forward. He envisions a world where players are incentivized to expand Square Enix's games with user-generated content and then be rewarded monetarily with crypto or NFTs. He's made similar comments in the past that were roundly criticized, but he's not giving up on the dream. After nearly two years of impressive post-launch support, it appears that Ghost of Tsushima development has finally wrapped. At the end of the patch notes for its most recent spate of bug fixes, Sucker Punch says it isn't actively working on another patch. Well, unless more issues arise that need to be fixed. It's hard to argue that the studio could have done more. It was an excellent game that was improved with every expansion or DLC. We're excited to see what's next from Sucker Punch, even if it's just a sequel. So while Square Enix thinks that blockchain games are the future, its present strategy with games as a service isn't going especially well. First, Marvel's Avengers was a monumental flop, and now Babylon's Fall is doing even worse. Its concurrent global player count dropped below 10 on PC this weekend. You heard that right, 10 total players. Admittedly, the game looks awful and doesn't play much better, but Platinum has a full slate of DLC already in development with a lot of it finished. Our guess is Square Enix pulls the plug on anything that isn't already completed and lets Babylon's Fall die a quiet yet painful death. In even more crypto gaming news, the poster child for the play-to-earn model, Axie Infinity, has crashed down in impressive fashion. The game is set up like a pyramid scheme where new players essentially do all the work, enriching those who entered the ecosystem previously. The hope is that the people at the top cash out to eventually be replaced by the workers. This concept requires a steady stream of new workers to take their place. But when North Korean hackers stole over half a billion of the game's coin, all the worker bees stopped showing up for work. And when a pyramid scheme loses all the people at the bottom, the whole thing comes crumbling down. Can't say we feel sorry for anyone but the people who were suckered into the worker roles. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's boss fight where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. So this Saturday, I wrapped up a streaming series that I had been doing every Saturday called Shane vs. Elden Ring. If you're not familiar with my history, although you probably are at this point if you've listened to enough episodes of Good Morning Gaming, I have not been a fan of From Software's games in the past. My prior criticisms of its games are that I feel it doesn't respect the time of the player. I feel that they're needlessly obtuse and opaque. I feel the verbiage that's used in the games is not conducive to helping the player learn how to play the games. Generally, I had a bigger issue with the way the games were designed instead of the game's difficulty. I am not afraid of difficult games. Ninja Gaiden is probably one of my favorite action-adventure franchises of all time. 
So I was coming into Elden Ring. Um, I wouldn't say I had preconceived notions or a lot of expectations because everything that was mentioned about this game was that it was completely different from prior games. So I did go into playing Elden Ring with an optimistic outlook on what the game might be. And I played the first, I don't know, 15 hours of the game on my own before I started streaming, just trying to figure it out. And I will admit that even then, I, well, first of all, spending 15 hours with a From Software game was something I had never done before. I think the most I had spent before that was maybe six or seven hours. I think the game I had played the most was Sekiro. It was the game I had made the most headway in, for sure. But other than that, I had not made a lot of progress or stuck with the From Software game until this one. And again, on my own, I had played around 15 hours, but I will admit I had started to become really frustrated at the 15-hour point because things were becoming work. It just kind of gently pushes you in the direction that you're supposed to be going. And I understand why From Software does this. It wants people to feel like there's a sense of freedom, particularly with this game, because it's the first open-world take on the From Software formula. It wants people to explore. It wants people to set out with only a vague idea of what they want to do. But this, again, goes back to what I've said about every From Software game in that it does not respect the player's time. It expects so much from the player. It expects you to go online and Google things and try to figure out what stuff means and what you're supposed to do and the order that you're supposed to do it in and the things that you can do and can't do with your current build. And and I do understand that there is a certain audience of people that really gets into that and really likes that. And I'm not one of those people, but I can respect that there are some people who enjoy games that become all-consuming. They enjoy games that take over their lives, and some people will say, oh, you know, this game had me thinking about it all the time. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe the reason you're thinking about it all the time is because the game isn't giving you enough information? And so you're constantly racking your brain trying to figure stuff out. A lot of people talk about addition by subtraction, that sometimes removing stuff can make a game better. And while that can work at times, I don't think it's ever the right solution to take things away that were there before without providing the option to keep them if you want. If From Software wanted to take away NPC locations and wanted people to create their own sort of game logs by hand, that's fine. But you provide the option for the people who just honestly don't have the time. And Elden Ring really isn't any different from From Software's prior games in this regard. Now, you may be asking, how did I manage to spend so much time with it, even before I started the stream where people were helping me get through the game? And I will say this, it is a step in the right direction, but I would argue it's a it's a baby step in the right direction. The open world, a lot of work. I'm not trying to diminish the work that goes into creating an open world game. They're difficult to make. And From Software should be commended for its first open world game. The open world functions quite well. But that's not enough in 2022. It's just not. Just like The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, its open world wasn't enough when that game released. There were other games that had done it better and done more. But I will say that this open world is what allowed me 
to play it for 15 hours before I had started to burn out. Because when I started coming up against these buttresses that From Software likes to create in its games, instead of just having to keep banging my head against the same wall over and over until I gave up, there were other places I could go to bang my head against the wall. And that's really what this game is. It's Sure, you can leave this this thing, this place that's kicking your ass, but you're just going to go some other place that's going to kick your ass. And the advantage here is that it's the lands in between that you can adventure and maybe you kill a couple rank-and-file enemies. You get some semblance of enjoyment out of the lands in between. And there is something to be said for that. But you very quickly realize while playing this game that if you go too far off the beaten path, you don't follow that trickle of light. You get in trouble. And that little ride that you take across the swamp or through the marsh, you get off of your horse and try to tangle with one of the enemies there, you find out very quickly that the game is no friendlier than prior from software games. You may be even asking, why is Shane talking about Elden Ring? It's a game that's several months old, or a couple months old at this point. And everyone's discussed it. I've discussed it. Ad nauseum. But I'm done. <laughs> I'm trying to put a cap on my experience playing this game. Some may wonder, Shane, you've made so much progress. Because after eight episodes of Shane vs. Elden Ring, having our community ride shotgun with me and help me through the game, I made a lot of progress through this game. Now, admittedly, on my last stream, I had someone join me and we beat a couple bosses in quick succession because they were way overpowered and they could just basically stand there and just wipe out the bosses while I just kind of toss magic from the sidelines. But for the most part, I did all this on my own and it just made me realize all the more how absurd the game is and how it tries so hard to be hard. It's almost like it's a game within the game. How can we mess with the player and make this as difficult as possible? And I'm not talking about fighting bosses or fighting enemies. I'm talking about just wrangling the silly game. Just the words that From Software uses to describe everything. Fingers and just... There's no innate mental connection between the verbiage that the game uses and the average human brain. When you hear what something is called in this game, your mind does not make a connection of what it might be. And I would argue that From Software would choose the thing furthest away from what the average human mind might think something is. Why does it do this? I don't get it. I'll never understand it. And I'll also never understand why so many people are so willing to forgive it. I don't even want to get into the discussion of an easy mode or anything like that. Although I did mention in Good Morning Gaming that there's a mod now for easy mode and no one got freaked out by it and the world hasn't ended. I don't want to talk about the actual difficulty of playing the game. What struck me the most was spending so much time with a From Software game and seeing how everything else is constructed to be an obstruction, to be a barrier, to... Turn people off. I feel like this game is like a BDSM game. It is counting on a certain segment of player enjoying being punished. And then getting, I believe, this false sense of accomplishment from 
reading forums or watching YouTube videos where someone tells them, this is what you need to do, because that's what was going on with Shane versus Elden Ring. There were dozens of people in the chat, most of which who had already finished the game, and maybe were on their second playthrough or whatever. They're obsessed with the game. And I'm glad they were there, because this would have been miserable if it weren't for them. But these people have learned somehow to excuse things that this game does that other games would get raked over the coals for. And as a critic, as someone who's been evaluating games professionally for 20-some years now, I can't do that. I can't make an exception for one developer. I can't make an exception for one game. I can't make an exception for one franchise. If I do that, everything I've said for the last two decades is all bullshit. So... I'm not going to begrudge people who like these games. I do wonder how, once you really like these games, how you enjoy other games. I do. Once a game has made everything so ridiculously difficult and hard to understand, how do you then go play a game that just explains stuff to you so you know what's going on and you know what to do? I'm guessing you turn off all the icons. I... I don't know. How do you assimilate yourself back into normal game-playing society? I don't know. I'm guessing that's why some people have been clinging on to Elden Ring still, months after it's been released and after they finished it, and they started it a second time instead of going on and playing something new. I don't know how, once you've done the mental gymnastics required to accept this game the way you've accepted it, how you get back into normal life. I don't understand it. And I'm sure it's some people may be sitting there saying, Shane, but you fought it, you fought it. I didn't fight it. I tried so hard to understand. I want to understand why people are obsessed with these games. I gave it my all. I don't think anybody will deny who was on the streams or who have watched the archives that I did not give this my all. So, first of all, a big thanks to people who watched or chatted and gave me instructions and helped me you helped me understand From Software's games on a level I didn't know if I would ever reach. And now that I do understand From Software's games, I have to admit that I, I don't like them any more than I did before. But I would also say that I don't dislike them any more than I did before either. It's just supremely frustrating for me to see a developer operate this way. But at the same time... These games are kind of a different thing in an industry where a lot of developers are afraid to take chances. So in that way, I do respect the games. So will I play From Software's next game? Because that's the big question. That's the big question for From Software. This game sold way better than any of its games before this. Will people return? Will people like me, who didn't like their prior games, who managed to play this one a lot longer, will they return? Will people who bought the game because it got perfect tens, return. And I would argue, no. Those people will absolutely not return and play the next From Software game. I do feel like they were probably burned. Will I play? I have to. It's my job. Will I play it as long as I played this one? Probably not, because I've already seen what an open world From Software game is like, and unless there's some huge paradigm shift, which I highly doubt with this next game, I think I have it all figured out at this point. And then really for the big question, does it deserve a 9.7 Metacritic? And I would say hell no. Hell no. No. 
this game has so many flaws in it that I have completely murdered other games for. I would be sacrificing my editorial integrity to the hilt to say this game is worthy of a perfect 10, or anything close to it for that matter. Do I think it's a perfect 10 for people who like From Software's games already? Absolutely. I'm guessing the editors who reviewed this, who were already fans of From's games, wanted to give it like a 12. And I hope next time From Software's games come around, that more outlets will give the game to people who are not dyed-in-the-wool fans. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to GMG. I'm Shane Satterfield. Follow me on Twitter at Dinfire. And while you're at it, follow Sifted at Sifted Games. And while you're doing that, head to patreon.com slash sifted and drop us a $4 pledge and get it in your podcast app. The show will be back tomorrow, but until then, seize this Monday. Because thankfully, there will never be another. <laughs>